Chapter four of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand, chapter four. Paris, October eighteen twenty one. The priesthood, the environs of Saint Malo as madame de chateaubriand was a real saint she got the bishop of saint-malo to admit me into the priesthood he had scruples about doing this for it appeared to him a sort of profanation nearly akin to simony to bestow upon a layman and a militaire the mark of the ecclesiastical order m courtois de pressigny who is now archbishop of besançon and a peer of france is an honest and worthy man he was then young patronized by the queen and on the way to that distinction at which he more recently arrived by a better road persecution i kneeled down in my uniform and with my sword by my side at the feet of the prelate he cut off a lock of hair from the crown of my head this is called the tonsure and of this fact i was furnished with letters in proper form with these letters two hundred thousand livres de rente would devolve to me when the proofs of my noblesse were admitted at malta an abuse without doubt in the ecclesiastical order but very useful in the political order of the ancient constitution was it not better that a kind of military benefice should be attached to the sword of a soldier than to the mantle of an abbe who would have consumed the revenues of his rich priory in the gaieties of paris my having the tonsure for the preceding reasons has caused some ill-informed biographers to state that at the commencement of my career i entered the church this event took place in seventeen eighty eight i kept horses and rode about the country or galloped along beside the waves my murmuring and ancient friends i dismounted and played with them the whole barking family of Scylla jumped on my knees to caress me. Nunc vada latrantis Scyllae. I have gone very far in order to admire the beauties of nature. I could have been content with those which my native country offered to my view. There can be nothing more beautiful than the environs of Saint-Malo in a circle of five or six leagues. The banks of the Rance, from its mouth to Dinan, are well worth the visit of the traveller, an ever-changing scene of rocks and verdure, of stream and forest, of creeks and hamlets of the ancient manners of feudal Brittany, and the modern habitations of commercial Brittany. The latter were built at a time when the merchants of Saint-Malo were so rich, that in their merry moods they used to make a fricassee of piastres, and throw them boiling hot out of the windows to the people. These houses are very magnificent. Bonabon, the chateau of the Messrs de la Sondre, is partly built with marble brought from Genoa, an instance of luxury of which we never even think in Paris. La Briante, Le Beau, Montmarin, La Balue, and Le Colombier are, or were, ornamented with orangeries, jets d'eau, and statues. Sometimes the gardens descend shelving to the shore. Behind the arcades of a portico of lime-trees, through a colonnade of pines, at the extremity of a grass-plot, beyond the tulips of a parterre lies the sea, with its vessels, its calms, and its tempests. Every peasant, whether sailor or labourer, is the owner of a little white cottage with a garden, Amongst the pot-herbs, gooseberries, roses, iris, and marigolds of this garden may be found a young tea-tree from Cayenne, a plant of tobacco from Virginia, and a flower from China, some souvenir, in short, from other shores and other skies. It is the itinerary and map of the master of the place. The dwellers on the coast are a fine Norman race, the women tall, graceful, and active, wearing corsets of grey wool, short petticoats of calamanco and striped silk, and white stockings with coloured clocks. Their faces are shaded by a large headdress of dimity or cambric, the flaps of which are either turned back or fly loose like a veil. A silver chain in several loops hangs at their left side. 
every morning in spring these daughters of the north descending from their boats as if they were coming again to invade the country carry to the market quantities of fruit in baskets and of curds in shells and whilst with one hand they steady on their heads black vases full of milk or flowers the lappets of their white mob-caps their blue eyes rosy cheeks and fair hair empearled with dew present a picture not to be exceeded by the canifor of athens or the valkyries of the edda the youngest of whom is lavenir is the original of this picture still to be seen these women are probably no more there is nothing left but my recollection of them End of chapter four